Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza, joined as always by Matt Harmon for our recap of Sunday's games. Now, because we don't typically talk about the Sunday night football game in these episodes. This might be the only NFL podcast in the world that won't mention it this week. I mean, there's kind of a big event happening. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, not going to hear those words in this podcast, um, except for just now, which I did. So I guess we did. Sorry. There you go, Matt. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're definitely going to be the only one that will not have like a full... 30 to 40 minute discussion about this one game, which I, again, we're just trying to stand out from the marketplace here. Yeah. No, no fake Boston accents here. No, no mentions about pies and bars where friends know your name. Uh, uh-uh, we're going to get right to it. But actually before we dive into all of the fantasy fun, let's take care of a little pre-show business by now. I'm guessing that our listeners have heard us talk about Yahoo fantasy plus and those listeners fall into either one or two categories. Either you, dear listener, are utilizing the Trade Hub, the Research Assistant, and Andy Barron's absolutely fire weekly newsletter to dominate your league, or you haven't gotten around to it because your fantasy football team is suffering as a result. And maybe you're just feeling a little apathetic. Well, don't be like that. Get on it. There's still time. It's only week four. We're cruising to week five. So let this be your reminder that you can try out Fantasy Plus for free at yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus. Um, Matt, speaking of trying out new things, not for free, but mm, in a price that maybe you weren't expecting, Justin Fields had a second start. How about that? How about that for a segue? Ah! Nailed it. Absolutely <laughs> nailed it. Well, Matt Nagy, like, um, he has a game plan. I, I'm not quite sure which quarterback it's for because it was really just about the running back. And that running back's yeah. name is David Montgomery, who I hope he comes up Nagy, I mean, with something else for week five because Montgomery hurt his knee after a big game this week. Yeah, well, it sounds like Bill Lazor was the one who called the plays oh, in, the, in this very one. Very true. Yeah, so and, and of course Matt Nagy then afterwards like I will not be answering any more play calls for play call uh, questions for the rest of the year. It's like, buddy, just let the good thing be the good thing. Like if it's working for your team, why do you got to be? So, why do you also, have to be can you so just give weird? Give the guy a so- little shine. Like, do, is does it cost you yeah. that much to be like, yeah, Bill, Bill made it happen against the lions, which was really a very difficult matchup. Let's be honest. (laughs) 
yeah, it was a pretty tough hurdle to clear. Um, yeah, no, it was great to see David Montgomery get after it in this game. Also love to see Darnell Mooney, uh, 125 yards on five catches, made several deep catches down the field. Um, that is kind of what we thought the Justin Fields experience would bring to this offense over Andy Dalton. Um, look, Fields is still... Uh, a rookie, there's, there's not gonna, it's not gonna be completely clean. Um, I certainly was not expecting just nine yards rushing from the guy. Um, you know, Allen Robinson got over our meager FFL line of 40, what was it, 49 and a half yards? I think I threatened to fake quit if, uh, if he didn't get over that. He got over that, still just 63 yards. Um, this offense is not gonna be, suddenly a fantasy football bonanza by any mean. I mean, any means. I mean, Fields is not is is just not at that point. This offense is not at that point. But um, I do think Bill. I mean, this this offense has been good when Bill Lazor has taken over the play calling duties before. Like some of these guys just aren't, and I, I don't blame them. Like it's tough to do multiple different things. Like Liz, it would be tough for you or I to do this podcast and write an article at the same time. Uh, you know, but it's like doing two things at once is tough. Doing two things is is tough for old Matt Nagy. So like, let's just let Bill keep calling the plays. You know. Yeah, I mean, my issue with Matt Nagy, and I don't want to turn this into, like, Chicago tonight, but you might have had a plan for the rookie that fell into your lap and that made the city cheer with glee and hope for the first time. Like, that's sort of the issue. But you're right, in terms of what we're seeing now from fantasy, this was the hint. We saw the hint of Mooney being um, the favorite target for Fields two weeks ago before last week's disaster. I guess the main question is, though, like, Allen Robinson three catches on all three targets. So we like the efficiency. We're not particularly surprised that he's clutch, but 63 yards, one 28 yard catch. Like this is problematic. And if the game plan continues to be focused on the run again, David Montgomery has a knee problem. So we'll see. I I don't, I don't know how much volume there is going to be. No, I mean, it's just the offense is in no way constructed for Allen Robinson to get the type of volume that he's got the last to the previous two years in 2019 and 2020, just whether it's, it suddenly does become an aggressive run first uh, operation with fields or Montgomery, you know, not good um, enough to do that. Maybe they were this week against the lions, but not overall. Yeah. Like either that or just, you know, one way or another, I just don't see how this team is going to be on the field enough, even for um, Allen Robinson to get 150 plus targets. So, I mean, he's kind of just a boom bust low end wide receiver too. If that may be the rest of the way, I mean, that is, it's a bummer, but maybe fields gets more comfortable. And like, they, that's another thing too, you know, with all of these rookies that come in, I've, I've been, I feel like I've been complaining about this basically, all through the first month of the season, but all of these rookies, whether it's Justin Fields or um, even Trevor Lawrence and obviously Trey Lance too, like a lot of these guys, I think Trey, Trey Lance did take a few snaps with the ones in the off season, but like Justin Fields never did that. You know, he doesn't know, doesn't have timing down with a guy like Allen Robinson. So we will just have to see how it develops throughout the year, but it's, I don't know. I'm pretty, pretty nervous about it for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're basically hoping for a, t- you're treating him like a tight end, like three to five catches, over 50 Ugh. yards and a touchdown. Like, honestly, what do you lo- that? I think that if you're fearlessly forecasting like every week, that's going to be the range. Um, yeah. Next week, I believe they have the Raiders. So we'll see. Let's talk about Detroit briefly. I think the most interesting thing about Detroit, like DeAndre Swift didn't get off as much as we expected. He might. Jamal Williams led the backfield in terms of totes, but Swift did see six targets through the air. So he remains a solid PPR option. He wasn't like a top 12 
fantasy running back, but I don't think anyone's going to like sit him or downgrade him outside of the, you know, top 24 at the position because of the volume. Interestingly though, Quentin Cephas did lead the receiving core in yards with 83. He caught four of five. And I mentioned him because, you know, in weeks one or one and two, he found the end zone. So the problem leading into this season was that outside of Hawkinson and Swift, fantasy managers didn't know where to invest in this receiving court. Like, was it going to be Williams? Well, he's been hurt. Was it going to be the rookie out of USC, St. Brown? And I think we're sort of... Start- Remember Brashad Perryman? Remember that? Oh, yeah, that was a hot minute, too. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Oh, he could have had a revenge game last week, too, huh? Anyway, um, <laughs> but I think we're starting to see at least some wrinkles. It's not going to be helpful on a week-to-week basis, or I'm sorry, it's not going to be helpful on a weekly basis, but once injuries start to hit some more and we move into the buys, I think Cephas is someone that you might want to play the matchups with. Yeah, I agree, and I mean, I I had that exact logic going into last week when he played Baltimore, and of course, you know, because they'd been giving up a ton of production wide receivers with those corner injuries, and they had like, what, one catch for eight yards or something like that last week, so um, it is going to be very volatile because this is not... This is not a great offense overall. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with uh, the receiver rotation, though. It is pretty clearly going to Quintez Cephas. I mean, he runs 35 routes in this game. He's number two, number one among the receivers, only trailing TJ Hawkinson. So since Tyrell Williams has been out, Cephas has been getting a lot of playing time. The targets aren't always going to be there. The quality of targets aren't going to be the same because he's like an outside ball winner. You know, he, so there's going to be some some volatility there for sure. But I agree with you. I think he's somebody in deeper leagues that should definitely be on rosters. He's going to have these type of games where he pops up and makes some big plays. And cause he's sort of the, um, our old, uh, one of these things doesn't look like the other theory Liz, uh, with like, uh, d- yeah, with old Darius Slayton back when the Giants had 55 slot receivers. Uh, <laughs> things aren't looking so good for Darius Slayton right now, by the way. But, uh, you know, he stands out when the team runs through their two, friggin' running backs and the tight end and then even Amon Ross St. Brown who had a decent um game today you know not not a big yardage game but six catches on eight targets like even he's he stands out from Amon Ross St. Brown because St. Brown's a slot receiver and Quintus Stevens again outside x receiver and Brad and the Bears have a, a vulnerability against the slot just FYI yes, moving forward true Moving along, let's talk about the Colts at Miami. These Dolphins have really, they've been, they've been trying. They've been trying, but they're not getting much traction. Um, it was interesting and I think very nice to see Jonathan Taylor manage 103 on the ground plus a touchdown considering the injuries to Quentin Nelson and considering that Carson Wentz and you couldn't miss it because of the broadcast crew kept mentioning the fact that he's working on these two bad angles and yet you did see Jonathan Taylor cross the century mark yardage wise so that was hope that's that's something to be hopeful about right yes I mean this is gonna that's kind of how he's gonna have to make it happen for you yeah. in fantasy because Naheem Hines is still there. Marlon Mack also got 10 carries for 22 <laughs> yards. Like, Oh, what is that? Well, he was on the trade. Oh yeah. It's like a showcase game. Yeah. Show, showcase game. I, I guess. I mean, I don't know if 10 carries for 22 yards is going to really move the needle in the trade market, but maybe just reminding other teams that he exists. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, like you said, explosive game. And, and that is how it's going to have to happen. It's going to have to come from big plays, um, it's going to have to come from touchdowns. We know that Jonathan Taylor is perfectly capable of doing both of those things. So that's good news. In the receiver room, Michael Pittman continues to be a volume hog in this offense. Eight targets. It's only six catches for 59 yards because Carson Wentz is not good. 
<laughs> but I mean, I think I think that this is just going to have to be. He's a guy that you're probably going to want to. He's a, almost similar to how you view Allen Robinson, right? Like you know that the potential is there, but the, and the volume is going to be there because these guys are good players. But you know it's not going to be clean every single week because of the quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably right. Um, Miami. I found this game incredibly boring. Like, I don't really have that much exciting stuff no. to say. If anything, it was a, a a confirmation game. It was nice to see Devonta Parker get open in the end zone. And also, after he wasn't able to the first time, to see Brissett go right back to him. Like, I kind of always like that. Yeah. And so it's he always was, nice. Show yeah, it's faith. like, okay, uh, you know, and I'm not giving up on you. I appreciated that this backfield in Miami is an absolute disaster. There's no efficiency. There's no creativity. There's no game script for them anyway, at least until Tua comes back. Um, and so you've got Mike Gusecki continuing to see a larger volume of uh, targets with Brissett under center. And Will Fuller was back in this one, but he didn't do a whole lot of anything. And Jalen Waddell continues to like be this indescribable short yardage option, uh, even though he only caught three or four. 6.7 air yards it's per so target gross. for Jalen Waddle. So it's not great. <laughs> I mean, in some, I mean, it's just that's kind of the Jacoby Brissett show, though. Like this guy, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't push the ball downfield. I mean, Tua doesn't really push the ball downfield either. So, I mean, he Waddle's going to kind of have to. I mean, there was some more aggressive showing from Tua at, at different points, like in the preseason, everything like that. But these guys are going to have to live with these short a dot over the middle type of targets. And Will Fuller, yeah, he gets hurt after nine routes. Maybe the NFL should make one PED exception, and it should just be Will Fuller. Like that's the only way he gets us. Like let him take whatever he was taking last year. Let him take it. It's fine. Um, it's just one guy. Like it's no big deal. Nobody will remember. Um, but yeah, Mike Gusecki is, I think, the big winner right now. I I don't know how I feel about will it be sustainable when Tua comes back. But I, I'm probably because of the tight end landscape, like willing to maybe trust it but not completely trust it yeah six targets 25 routes in this one and again he he does get in the the touchdown column as well so for now with percent under center i'm definitely comfortable starting uh mike kaseki every single week and just kind of waiting to see what happens when um when Tua gets back yeah i don't think tight end is a position that you can like think ahead to necessarily you have to like if something yeah, is working right? right now don't start don't start <laughs> messing with it if also, it ain't broke, don't fix it. No way. And the same goes for Kareem Hunt, who had another big follow-up to his breakout performance in week three. He only carried the ball 14 times to Chubb's 21, but he found the end zone on the ground, whereas Chubb hit 100 yards. That's great for him, but he wasn't able to punch it in on the ground. And then Hunt grabbed another two through the air for 17. He saw four targets. It was really your man, Rashad Hollywood Higgins and OBJ, <laughs> who dominated the target load for Baker. But, you know, Matt, I'm bearing the lead a little bit here. I know you hate it. We got to talk oh, about God. the chemistry between Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. Because, I mean, it would appear as though that is a problem. I don't know. I think Baker just didn't play well in this game. I think he just had overall, like, I mean, Brown's Twitter was really pissed about um, his performance in this spot and you know everything is working for this Browns offense but Mayfield is still gonna this is why even as he was like crushing it to start last year or to end last year excuse me I still kind of compared him to the guy who he played today Kirk Cousins like Kirk is gonna have these moments where he gets white hot plays extremely efficient um, Kirk is also gonna have those games where he throws up all over his shoes and this was kind of I just don't think Mayfield played well in this game it's not as if like 
you you know you clearly look at him and Beckham and they're just like not on the same page with certain routes or stuff like that. I, I just don't think he played a played a strong game overall, and I I still maintain that it's kind of a coincidence that these like th- that this happens now that Beckham's back because like last week it wasn't a problem at all you know they were perfectly in sync last week and I just think the Vikings pass rush kind of got the better of the Browns offensive line at different points too and um yeah I don't I just Mayfield's gonna have these games like he's he's still not a quarterback that every single week we know exactly what we're gonna get from him I mean but I guess I I, I hear what you're saying and I'm not disputing the fact that Baker is a streaky quarterback but two of five for seven when OBJ is like kind of open. And I I feel like timing is part of chemistry. Like, isn't that a conversation that needs to be had? The timing between these two, if you don't want to talk about rapport, if you don't want to talk about chemistry, if they're not like, I don't know, dialing up each other and playing call of duty or whatever the kids do. Like, like I feel like the timing is off and I don't think that is wholly on Baker because he, we have seen him click with Jarvis Landry, a different receiver, 100%, a different type of receiver. Oh, yeah. But, you know, we we have seen him click with other um, receivers, but the one that is, you know, the flashiest, that has the most ceiling potential, there's issue. Yeah. No, there's def- it's, there's something to it. I just can't quite put my finger on it, and that's maybe what bugs me about it is I'm not willing to – maybe this is, like, my one of my weaknesses as an analyst. When I, like, can't explain something, I'm almost, like, willing to just not believe it's true. <laughs> wow. There, that's like a whole nother pod series that we could do on things that may or may not be true because they're hard to understand or explain. Definitely. I'm getting a little transcendental right now. So I'm just going to move across to, you know what? Actually, that's a great segue because um, Dalvin Cook entered this game with an ankle injury. And obviously the Vikings had trouble creating any sort of offense. And when Mike Zimmer was asked about it after the game. And, you know, it seems like an obvious point to say, like, was it because of Cook's ankle issue? Like, could he just not get things going? And then the rest of the whole offense couldn't, like, flourish. And he was like, nah, I don't think that was it. I mean, he went in and out a couple times, a little bit gimpy, but nah, not that. So maybe Mike Zimmer, too, can't explain it. So he doesn't believe it. Perhaps, right? (laughs) I I know that uh, there was the report going into it that uh, Tom Pelissero and Dalvin Cook had had a conversation that and, and, and Dalvin basically said, like, I'm playing today and expect me to be me. And then there was also something about like how he kind of wanted to have a big game and put it, you know, because he was playing his former coordinator or something like that. And I was like, what are we doing? There's something about that felt a little weird. And like you mentioned before, the, you know, Mercury is in rec- retrograde. So, like, maybe they're, maybe we're just all feeling a little off. Dalvin Cook really trying to trying to prove something here. Uh, well, I don't know what he's trying to prove. P- part of me was almost like, um, why are we why are we rushing Dalvin Cook back? I mean, I don't know if he's, I'm ru- he's being rushed back, right? What the hell do I know? But, like, what – Alexander Madison's coming off such a big game sure. in his stead. Why not just ride the guy for one more week? This game just overall did not go to my expectations. I expected this game to be, and I, I talked about this with Minty on the Yahoo Sportsbook live show today. Like, it feels like a lot of these games where the, the consensus, I'm putting myself in there too, is like, oh, this looks like a really high scoring game. You know, this could be a potential shootout, whatever. They're not like, this one didn't go that way. Um, the Seahawks. 49ers didn't really go that way you know like I feel like unders overall have been hitting a lot this year Mm. I don't know don't don't quote me on this like I'm because I'm only going anecdotal I I don't know if that is actually the case that the that that unders have been hitting more this year but it feels like a lot of these games that we're sort of kind of circling on our fantasy calendars 
as like, oh, this could be a really high scoring matchup. Um, this one had a pretty high total. A lot of people were very excited to like stack this game up in, in daily fantasy. It just did not go that way at all. I thought this was going to be a pretty even match, but I, I hear what you're saying. And I think that that's still we're trying to figure out the importance of pieces that are not fully healthy. And in this yeah. one, the Vikings defense is getting healthier. Obviously, the Vikings lost this game, but yes. every week they're getting healthier. So we still remember week one and being like, oh my God, Kirk went into overtime and he threw a mil- Why? Why? The defense was no good. He had to keep pace with it. But like, that's not true. Right. And then on the other side of things, like Jarvis Landry is a really important piece, but we don't. And last week we saw that being band-aided by Kareem Hunt. So we were like, we're like, oh, I guess it's not that important. But actually, like we're still sussing out the importance. Like you can do it for a week, but then guess what? The opposing team gets to watch tape and figure out how to stop that from happening again. And yeah. you know, it's it's a copycat league. So I think you're right that we're just sort of figuring out how important each piece is, and if they're not at a hundred percent. I mean, we're talking over unders, like immediately. For me, the Seattle, uh, the Seattle, uh, who did they play? Why San Francisco. I'm, thank San you. Francisco. Um, the, I, there are so many NFC West matchups today. Um, the Seattle-San Francisco yeah. game is one of those. I was like, well, I don't think they're going to be able to hit the over because not everybody's healthy. Like, this is kind of a mess. But anyway, I think that's a really interesting point. We'll have to ruminate on that one. But I do want to go move forward to the Washington football team at Atlanta, because if we're talking about not hitting expectation, I had pretty high expectations for Taylor Heineke coming into this one. But I also really thought that the Falcons offense would be able to fight back a little better. Now, Tank Williams on FFL, I think was pretty spot on or at least closer to spot on about the fact that this might be the matchup that gets the Washington football team's defense finally going that kicks it into the drive that we were expecting so I don't know what's your take on this I mean I feel like there's a lot of people the big story obviously is Corderell Patterson yes three touchdowns through the air six uh, six uh, carries for 34 on the ground it's it's the like headline everywhere we've been talking about Corderell Patterson since week one we knew that this was going to look like a timeshare between him and Mike Davis but like we shouldn't be surprised that Patterson had like an anomalistic, fairly anomalistic in that it's three touchdown outing. The real surprise is that Kyle Pitts can't hang on to a damn ball and that Matt Ryan feels most comfortable um, being put into like designs and, and gadgeties type situations. Yeah, I mean, good luck with the Cordero Patterson thing. Like, good, good luck. I, I mean, he's he's running so few routes. He only runs 12 routes in this game. Obviously, all the big plays come in the passing game. He's not really being used as a traditional back. Right. Uh, Mike Davis is obviously way out snapping him. Mike Davis does get involved as a receiver in this one, too. Um, catches a touchdown uh, on just two targets. So that's just yeah. kind of just it's. It's a messy situation there, right? I think the Falcons offense played pretty well today. I mean, from like a win probability standpoint, like on our on our site and their box sure. score, they were like they were like at 70% up until the very like if you look at the chart, it's like up oh, Atlanta's like 60% to win this game, 70% to win this game, but the 100% Washington football team at the very, you know, at the very end because of what Taylor Heineke pulled off. I think that Washington obviously, I mean, they give up these why like Cordero Patterson got wide open on some of those like downfield plays, um, especially his one long touchdown. I still think there's some miscommunication, some issues in that wash with that Washington defense overall. So we'll kind of have to 
I still think they're they're definitely not going to be the unit that we thought coming into this year. That's kind of my stance on that. No, but they are trying, right? Like the process yeah. is here, even if the result isn't yet. Calvin Ridley has 13 targets. Kyle Pitts has nine targets, right? That is, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is, is Matt Ryan. We keep talking about him every week. Yeah, and yeah, whether it's the, 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 like, whether the playbook is too dense or too new or the O-line or just a comfortability or a physical, I don't know what it is. But, like, if we're going to talk about chemistry, quote, with OBJ and Baker Mayfield, we got to talk about timing with Matt Ryan and these other yeah. options. And, again, the all of this offense, right? Like, so how many? Three of the four touchdowns that Matt Ryan threw are because of some blown coverages or some like weird gadgety, like manufactured play that he got lucky on. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's concerning that coming into this game, in terms of like how much he was pushing the ball ten plus air yards down the field, he was like in the Andy's in the Andy Dalton zone. It was like him and Andy Dalton uh, in terms of passes of uh, ten plus air yards. Like that's not what you want. You don't want to be in the Andy Dalton zone in the year twenty twenty one, Matt Ryan. So I definitely think. Look, he's not quite you know Ben Roethlisberger dusted. But he's getting close. I mean, I, I mean, we're we're kind of on that watch with Matt Ryan. Like, how much does he have left in the tank? And you know, it's just a. I still don't really have a lot of faith in the Falcons' offense. I think coming out of this game, I think that well, obviously, as you mentioned, some of those blown coverages and stuff like that. He got the ball down the field today, but uh, we'll see if that really is um is is going to hold. On the flip side, Washington Washington's offense is fun. I mean, yeah. it's just. My my guy Taylor Heineke, the the pride of Old Dominion University, he's he's out there just slinging that thing around. Terry McLaurin, what a I mean, he, that guy's a superstar. Two tubs, two touchdowns. This was a fun game. Uh, Antonio Gibson also gets involved. Like people are still out here whining about Antonio Gibson's usage. Touches the ball what sixteen times in this one, scores a touchdown. He's not gonna. He, no one ever said he was gonna be. Uh, like a 25 touch a week guy. Nobody ever projected that. You couldn't project that with Antonio Gibson. The the, the thesis of drafting Antonio Gibson was that he was going to be an explosive guy who scored potentially a lot of touchdowns and, you know, was an efficient runner. So far he's been that through the first 4 weeks of the season. He's just, he's an RB2. He's not an RB1. Uh well, he might be an RB1 just cuz the landscape's not that great, right. but um yeah, it's not it's not great. I think people are just heated because McKissick has had two big games, right? And that's yeah, right. And, and, but, then, but then sandwiched between yeah, yeah. But between those two begins, he does absolutely nothing. So I think that the biggest problem for Antonio Gibson is that the defense is not as good as we thought. If the defense was as good as we thought it was going to be like a top five unit, we clearly based on the usage of McKissick in games that are closer weeks one and week three. Well, I guess in week three, not so much, but um, in week one, like right when the game was pretty close between them and the Chargers. This like McKissick did absolutely nothing, and, and Gibson touched the ball a ton of times. So far, the three weeks after that, the defense has obviously not been up to snuff. And then McKissick gets involved in Thursday night football. He gets involved in this game. I mean, that was a, also McKissick's like not he's not a, a like he made an unbelievable play on a on a touchdown. Like he's not fun, a total right? Dag. Like if you're it was in fun, a, yeah. If you're in a deeper league, I don't I don't hate it. Like that's one of the I think that you're brilliant to mention that it's the defense that's negatively affecting Gibson, but also positively affecting McKissick. And if you're in a really really deep yeah. league with a bunch of flexes, then this is a guy if you're looking at the points in the matchup that maybe if you expect if you expect Washington to be chasing points, you throw McKissick into a flex obviously in a in a 
you know, PPR friendly format. Um, one last yes, note on please. this game. Logan Thomas did exit with a hamstring injury. I keep forgetting that Ricky Seals Jones, I mean, I know he scored in that Thursday night game, but I keep forgetting he's even still in the league. So nobody don't don't go crazy picking up Ricky Seals Jones. Logan Thomas did exit with a hamstring injury. We gotta see what that means. Next week, I believe the Washington football team is playing the Saints, Saints at DC. So to look ahead, yes. keep an eye on that. Um Buffalo managed its second shutout of the season against Houston. Dawson Knox, by the way, now four touchdowns over three games. You and I talked about him and talked him up, frankly, on FFL. He was in my sleepers piece. You know, you never, I said this in my sleepers piece, you never want to chase touchdowns, but he's making it awfully tempting. And also, you don't mind being attached to an offense that passes that often right. and a quarterback that right. good. And that that might be the exception of chasing touchdowns. You can chase touchdowns when you're playing, you know, uh, in an offense that's tethered to Josh Allen that throws the ball like this. I'm totally comfortable with um, chasing uh, touchdowns with, 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 with Dawson Knox. I mean, he's probably he's getting up there close to being like a, a top 12 tight end the rest of the way. I mean, I think if he's not like in terms of like your rest of season rankings, like he might, he might be up there at this point because he is just, he's continuing to get volume. I mean, there's no question with his playing time. He ran 25 routes in this one. That wasn't far off from Stefan Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders at 28. It was more than Cole Beasley. He gets eight targets. They, I can tell you for a fact, because I had Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs stacked in uh, Daily Fantasy. And, I mean, Diggs had a pretty big game here, seven catches, one or 14 yards. But every time they got in that red zone, I'm like, all right, let's get our Stefan Diggs touchdown here. There's Dawson Knox getting like a screen, getting like a designed screen pass thrown to him in the red zone. So I'm, I'm totally like if Dawson Knox, he should be picked up in every single league. And he's probably a guy that you're going to break ties in favor of starting. I mean, some of these players that went ahead of him, like, Robert Tunyon, or I know Dallas Goddard scored today, but Goddard splitting those reps with Zachary, it's pretty evenly. Like Dawson Knox is probably moving ahead of those guys. And you hear the you hear the same argument, right? Like for Jared Cook every single week. Well, you know, you want to be attached to Justin <laughs> Herbert and the Chargers offense is lit. And yet, a legal shift penalty notwithstanding, man does not do anything. So if you're going to use that in argument for a 33-year-old Jared Cook, you can use it for Dawson Knox. Jared, Jared Cook just catching a random Straight. stray in the Bills <laughs> Bills Texans recap. Um, how many Earth seconds should we spend on recapping the Texans? I do think there's an interesting point. Hold on. And I mentioned this at the top of FFL. I was watching. Brandon Cooks has been absolutely phenomenal, right? It doesn't matter where he's playing. It doesn't matter who his quarterback is. The man puts together 1,000-yard seasons and he except. has caught nine balls in back-to-back -back games, except when he has to deal with Tredavious White, who has been an absolute monster. Tredavious White has held every single, up until this week, receiver in his primary coverage to just three catches. Cooks caught five of seven for 47. Uh, he had seven targets. I'm not worried about Cooks. I just think that White gets the, um, the point and the advantage in this battle. Uh, man, you're... You're going to give a lot of credit to Tredavious White on this one. I'm going to give a lot of uh, just most of the blame to Davis Mills. The guy was a train he was a disaster, wreck sure. in, in this game. But he uh, wasn't not a EPA, disaster before. Yes. Well, he was fine against the Panthers on, on Thursday night, right? Which was kind of a surprise. But, man, I mean, this... Like this is this is possible in in this with with Davis Mills. He's a third round rookie. Like we're talking, I'm talking about 
Trey Lance and Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and all these guys that didn't get a ton of first team reps and, and how that might throw off their timing. They're not totally prepared to play. Davis Mills was not like this was not supposed to happen, right? Tyrod had this team playing pretty well from an EPA per dropback standpoint. Obviously, Davis Mills ranks dead last this week. He's at minus 27.3 that just for for my non um, dorks out there. That is really, 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 really bad. Um, So, yeah, it's I would say that this was mostly like Brandon Cooks can make a lot of things happen with bad quarterbacks. But there, maybe there's some there's some threshold here to what we're working with with Davis Mills. And I, I'm still a little this. I'm not like totally willing to just be like, all right, next week. I don't even know. The well, he's got New week, England next I would week. Still be so it's concerned. not great. I mean, if you want to talk about Bill Belichick and rookie quarterbacks, yeah. like uh, you would probably believe oh, that boy. the matchup is very, very difficult again for Cooks. I uh, like I have Pittman and Cooks on a, a team. They're both like my flexes every week. And every week I sit there and perseverate over like, I don't know which one. I, mean, I think I guess the, the, I mean the arguments are the same. Like they're going to get volume. Yeah. They're quite talented, and I'm playing the matchups this week. I went with Pittman because I didn't like the white option. So, regardless, I think a lot of people have been excited by Cooks because of the volume. That argument, that process has been working out. He's going to continue to see volume. He's just going to have his down weeks because of Mills and because of the matchups. Let's just let's just use a yes and to finish that one up. Yes, and Minty Betts, by the way, has been absolute fire. I know you do a show with her. We do a show with her together on FFL. Her trap game of the week was the Giants at New Orleans. Now, this did not go over well emotionally because it was the Saints' return to the Superdome after Hurricane Ida, and girl, nailed it. 27-21. Saquon looking all sorts of vintage. That Atlanta Falcons defense gave him exactly the mojo he needed to get back on track. 18 touches, 126 total yards, and a touchdown. And they did that without any wide receivers. Plus, Kenny Galladay had a decent showing, so maybe he's been able to manage that hip issue. I think last week, when he was in and out of the game, the hip issue was going to be an issue for the entire year. But... I think last week it came as a surprise. And so there was a like, oh God, we have to manage him because we can't lose him too. And now they had kind of a week to prepare and figure things out. So I think as long as Slayton, who you mentioned earlier, and Shepard, who also is dealing with a hamstring issue, continue to deal with their soft tissue issues, you're going to see Galladay and Barkley lead the offense. Ribs and ribs and hamstrings have been just killer. Yeah. Uh, this year in terms of, that's been like the injuries of the, of the year. So I think that like, number one, I, I was with Minty on kind of feeling like people were too excited about this whole oh, this narrative for the, for the saints. Like they're coming back home. That's great. Uh, it's not a very good team that's coming back home, at least offensively, right? Like this offense is just, it's fine. I mean, they're trying to hide their quarterback. Obviously, everybody got all gassed up about that Marquez Callaway touchdown last week. That was like the exact same play that Jameis Winston threw a touch or threw a pick on against the Panthers. And like, I guarantee you, like as much as Sean Payton might have been like, "That's nice that we scored that touchdown, Jameis." Don't ever freaking do do that again, again, right? (laughs) Don't do that again. That great, great result. Horrible process. Don't do it again. Um, You can't bank on anyone in this receiver core. Alvin Kamara doesn't get a target. He does obviously have a big gay on the ground. I think the Giants, too, to bring it back to to the whole point here, I think the Giants are like a functional NFL offense. You know, look, I I don't love I don't love the prospects of the team overall. 
you they will never be able to convince me that Jason Garrett's the guy to be at the helm of this thing. But I think they're like right around. They were 14th in offensive DVOA coming into this game. And they did it without, I think Shepard's their best receiver. I think Shepard will be their best receiver throughout the course of the season. But once he's healthy, if he's healthy, Kenny Galladay, though, He's a, he's a huge addition to have a game like this, right? Where he leads the team with 41 routes, makes plays down the field. Like this is exactly what they thought when they signed him. And then sprinkled on top of that, you have Saquon Barkley getting involved as a receiver, 74 yards and a touchdown. You also have Kadarius Tony, yeah. who basically takes the slot role from Sterling Shepard. When he's again, I think Shepard will go right back to his normal role because he and Jones have the best chemistry. He's always open. He's the best route runner. But Kadarius Tony did some things in in that role with nine targets, and then. John Ross, Liz, John Ross, uh, comes in, he runs, again, baby. right. He runs just 21 routes, but still makes, uh, four, three catches on four targets. One of which was for a long 52 yard touchdown averages 18 air yards per target. Like that's just a nice little sprinkle on top of this offense. And Daniel Jones to his credit is playing. I, you know, he's not like a mess out there. So I'm not, I, I think this offense is never going to reach its potential because of Jason Garrett and, and some of the some of the weaknesses overall. They don't have a good offensive line, but I think it's time to accept that there's some good here with this Giants offensive line, especially if they're going to be this. This was the plan for the offseason was to beef up the playmakers. This was a pretty good showing. I, 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 that's a lot. I, I think, I mean... Hold on. Let me think about this for a second. I don't want to sound like I'm too excited. I don't want to sound like I'm that excited about the Giants or anything, but I was ex- my expectations were really low, and I think they're clearing my very low expectations. I think the New Orleans defense is a very good run defense, so it's nice to see Saquon performing at this level given the matchup. I also think if we're looking at various players exceeding expectation, the fact that Daniel Jones, because what what is Kenny Galladay, right? Like, we know that... We know that Sterling Shepard has been having a revelation because he's back in the slot where he is probably best suited, right? Kenny Galladay is a high-variance player who doesn't separate very much but can win those contested balls. So Daniel Jones, like, is able through this showing that to, to illustrate that he can fit the ball into these tight windows and that he can succeed at that, something that we were curious about heading into yeah. the season, right? Like... So I think in that regard, we're seeing an offense use the pieces it's it, at its disposal to the best of its ability. But that does not mean that I am excited to see them on a weekly basis. And I'm also <laughs> like not excited to see them necessarily at Dallas and to see Trayvon Diggs, assuming that Slayton and Shepard are out again next week, or at least hampered, go all like get into Galladay and make this a mess. The schedule's not good for the no. Giants going forward. You mentioned you mentioned the Cowboys next week. Then they get the Rams, the Panthers, the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Bucks. It's like, oh boy. I mean, it's a good thing that they stole a win. I'm not even steal a win. Like again, I, I think that the Giants and the Saints are pretty equal. I just don't have a lot of respect for the Saints offense with Jameis Winston back there and the, that cast of characters at, at wide receiver. Well, we don't know what end, it but, is, right? So, Do we know what the Saints offense is really? Like no. we know this week that that. Sean Payton is like, well, crap, I guess we should get Taysom Hill involved because I don't know what the hell this is. Like, let's throw him. I don't yeah. this to me, the Saints don't have an identity, frankly, because you can't have an identity with a quarterback that's as inconsistent as Jameis Winston. Agree, especially if you want to be like a, a ball control kind of run first offense. But it's just tough to be that with Jameis Winston. Oh, absolutely.
All right, let's move on to the Eagles game. So another NFC East team. They fell to the Chiefs, allowing the Chiefs to win for the first time in two weeks. Interestingly, or a lot of like, we talked about it a little bit on FFL. There was a lot of hemming and hawing about Tyreek Hill having two quiet weeks and defenses taking him away. Yeah, that wasn't going to stand for a third week. <laughs> Tyreek Hill got absolutely loose. He had a massive game. In fact, both Hill and CEH were 50% of the Chiefs' total targets. Yeah, that was pretty surprising. I mean, obviously, Travis Kelsey gets left out in the cold. Which is surprising when you see when you saw Dallas work tight end all over Philly last week on primetime. Yeah, but I mean when Tyree kills cooking to the tune yeah, of 186 yards and three touch yeah, it just don't don't stop. Don't mess with what's not broken. It is it is good to see CEH like not there's been no punishment based on the the fumbles that he's had. Um he's still I mean, just three targets in this game, two catches for twelve yards. Um he does manage to get into the end zone, so that's good from a passing game perspective, but you know, it's, he's he's still going to be volatile. This was a, another good matchup for him. The Chargers that he got last week was a good matchup. I think that's kind of how he is. He's he's like a um, he's a matchup based uh, RB two, and you know you're probably going to end up starting him every single week, but that's fine. It, you know, for for where you drafted him, it, it, maybe it's not ideal depending on where you drafted him, but um, I do think he's fine to kind of roll out there. And you know, I, I expected the Chiefs to to roll in this game, but at least the Eagles gave a pretty good fight back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts played played a pretty good game overall pretty clean um you know he did rush for 47 yards on on eight carries but 387 yards and two touchdowns through the air you know he made it happen with Devonte smith 122 yards 10 targets for him that's kind of in the backfield is, is a mess i mean miles sanders that's that'll be enough of that that will be enough of, of Miles Sanders, I, I think. Can it, not really, but I mean, Kenny Gainwell is continuing to be a factor in this uh, in this backfield. He is gaining, in fact, on Miles Sanders. Oh boy, gross! gross. Gaining Super miles gross. on Miles. <laughs> <laughs> but it's mostly because like Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders won't catch the ball. Like he doesn't get any yeah. opportunities in the passing game, and even when he is efficient in the passing game, like he's not electric. Gainwell had eight targets in this one. And yes, the Eagles are going to chase points, but let's be real. Eagles are going to be chasing points. I felt like even though Hertz's game was clean, there were moments that I was just like, oh God, bro, it doesn't have to be this hard. Like, I feel like you can, and he, you know, he's not technically a rookie, but he feels very much like a rookie. Um, And you can feel him thinking as he's dropping back. And it's almost like, and maybe I'm projecting, but it's almost like you can hear him saying like, I know I'm not supposed to run. I really want to run, but I know if I run, they're just going to tell me all I do is run and I should pass. And then like he overthrows Greg Ward or something in the end zone. Yeah, I think it's also too just with this offense, like I mentioned this on FFL when talking about Miles Sanders is – I just don't think they're like kind of it's it's not an offense that feels designed for Jalen Hurts. So maybe that's like a maybe they're trying to kind of push him to be more of a traditional quarterback and they're asking him to do more traditional quarterback things. But um, nothing when I watch this offense feels like it's designed to take mm, advantage of his mobility. It's more of just about him scrambling. Um, so and and obviously he's still developing as a quarterback, you know, uh, Ray Garvin and I talked about this last week. He mentioned that in the Cowboys game, you know, they wanted him to throw to Devontae Smith to, to the point that 
Fields was just not looking at that side of the field. He's only looking at one side and, and hitting those reads over there, not getting off his first read. That they actually moved Devontae Smith from the right or the left, whichever one it was. And so it's like, if you're not going to look over there, we're just going to put the, our best player over here, damn it. Like, you're going <laughs> to look at this guy one way or another. So I think, again, that's just where that's just where Jalen Hurts is right now. But I, I know they were very complimentary of him. The head coach, Nick Sirianni, yeah. was complimentary of him after this game. And, and, and so that's a good sign. Yeah, I think we're we're trending upward. There's as as Jalen Hurts said in his post game press conference, every game is a learning opportunity, and he feels himself, in fact, absorbing and evolving more and more. Uh, oh, and Dallas- from a fantasy perspective, nobody nobody cares about anything that we just said because the guy's like literally a top like a top <laughs> ten quarterback. Like he's just gonna fall ass wet backwards into being a top ten quarterback this year, no matter what because of the rushing ability. So maybe he should just rush, right? Instead of thinking about yeah. how everybody would like him. In fact, not everybody would like him to be. Uh, a, probably a, doesn't care about our fantasy teams, though. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, if we're talking about falling backwards into fantasy production and surprising, Sam Darnold is thus far the number one quarterback in fantasy for week four. <laughs> Panthers lost, though. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> There was some bad Sam Darnold in this game. I mean, two interceptions, five sacks. But unlike Jets' Sam Darnold, there was a lot of positive positive results as well. I mean, he continues to be a force sort of as a runner. Um, he runs five times. He scores twice. At some point, that's not going to continue to be the situation. Like, he's not going to score a rushing touchdown to this clip. Um, I can't believe my whole timeline. I, how dare all of you that said Cam Darnold? I mean, there was way too many oh, of that. that's... That's filthy. It's embarrassing. Yeah, back to the back to the drawing board on on that one. <laughs> You're right. Sam Darnold is no longer seeing ghosts. He is being moved and pushed forward by his spirit guides. It is happening in Carolina, and I am all about it. And from onwards, like like rippling out from that. DJ Moore, monster game. You called it a couple of weeks ago about to take his giant leap as a true alpha, converts 8 of 12 for 113 and two touchdowns. Robbie Anderson, there was some squeaky wheel begging for that grease heading into this one. Saw double-digit targets, but womp womp, couldn't convert. Uh, for mostly just half of them. He converted on about half of them, less than half of them. Five catches for 46. Um, But we do like to see the volume, I guess. I guess, yeah. I mean, uh, it was good that it didn't come at the expense of DJ Moore. That's never good when you have something going in terms of chemistry with the receiver and then you got to like suddenly just do the squeaky wheel thing. Um, From a a target standpoint, yeah, it was was – it was great for Robbie Anderson, air yards per target standpoint, um, 12 air yards per target, you know, 42 routes run. It's all there for Robbie Anderson. It's just not quite clicking. I know a few like Jets folks have pointed out that, you know, despite fact, oh, these guys have played together. They'll certainly have great chemistry, you know, that that it kind of took some time in it. Like Robbie Anderson always would kind of be a slow starter with the Jets and then he picked things up towards the end of the season. I have no idea if that means something, but um, I just have seen a few folks that follow the Jets closely mention that as potential. Like maybe it's going to just take a little more time for Robbie and Sam to get it down. But I mean, I just think. What's happened here is DJ Moore has just ascended so far mm. um, to the point that you're not going to like, that's the guy. Like you're not going to go away from that guy. Cause he's just better. Like Robbie Anderson was good last year, but you know, there was still another step for DJ Moore to take and he's absolutely taken it. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. 
This was the first game without Christian McCaffrey. And a friend of the podcast, Mauricio Gutierrez, posted a stat on Twitter I wanted to share. Just a reminder that when a number one difference-making player goes out, you can't just automatically replace him with, oh, a, a rookie from Canada. Um Chuba Hubbard, 47% of the snaps. Rodney Smith, 38% of the snaps. Royce Freeman, 17% of the snaps. What? That was a twist. Yeah. That was a twist. Rodney Smith did not see that one coming. No, he didn't have any rushing attempts, but he did draw five targets, and he converted on all five of them for 48 yards. And we shouldn't be so surprised. He ran 19 routes to Chuba's 10. We shouldn't be so surprised by that because the knock against Chuba coming out of college was that he didn't have a lot of experience in the passing game. We saw him drop two key balls through the air on primetime, right? So we knew that like, oh, and and what do we, Royce Freeman? Royce Freeman is basically Jordan Howard with slightly better hands. Like, of course, I thought that maybe it was going to be Terrace Marshall who picked up that slack, but no, it was Rodney Smith. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that you're not looking at Chuba Hubbard as a guy that you're just going to drop into the McCaffrey role. Also sounds like there's a chance McCaffrey could be back next week. Um, So they're not this really. This is not. We'll small. see I hate that. when they do this. They did this yeah. last year and they rushed him back. I remember when they did this with Saquon in 2019 and rushed him back. I mean, like you said earlier, who I don't know if they're rushing back. I'm not living in their body. Who the hell am I? But why not just take a breath? Nobody expects the Panthers to be where they're right there. They are right now anyway playing with house money a little bit too. And I mean, the Panthers play next week. I mean, I think that this is, this is an offense that can function without McCaffrey because, well, yeah, that's, that should be a pretty, pretty close game. Their defense is still playing extremely well too. I know that the Cowboys ended up with a big game. Um, Zeke ran all over them. Dak threw four touchdowns. I think that's the interesting conversation in this game is that the Cowboys are multidimensional. You know, we expected again, the, the royal we the, the consensus out there uh, expected that you know dallas to kind of be a, at least based on fantasy adp and some of the, the talk out there expected dallas to be sort of the same team that they were last year which was high flying pass offense going through the three receivers you know a defense that isn't up to snuff and kind of putting them in negative script like literally none of that is true none of that is true the dallas defense is pretty good um, you know, they're, they're doing exactly what you want a defense that's partnered with a great offense to do, which is just be good enough to mess some things up for the off the other offense every now and again, Trayvon Diggs has a pick in every single game. Like I mentioned, they got after Sam Darnold in this spot with five sacks. They've been pretty good at rushing the passer overall. And, you know, you look at the offense too. Dalton Schultz has clearly been the guy over Blake Jarwin at tight end so far this year, but both of those guys, in terms of routes run, snaps, playing time, blah, 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 both those guys get in the box today, you know, at the expense of CeeDee Lamb, who has a quiet game. Uh, Amari Cooper scored a touchdown as well, but I mean, then you also got the backfield where Tony Pollard continues to be explosive, but Zeke can just be counted on to carry this huge workload as well when they need him to do it. So Dallas is a little more difficult to project than we thought coming into the year, but it's to the betterment of the team. Maybe not so much if you want like both Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb to be wide receiver ones. I think we're also still stuck in that space between the expectation that this was going to be Kellen Moore's offense. And that's why they drafted CeeDee Lamb. And, and we were going to invest in this high-flying um, offense. And seeing that confirmed in week one against Tampa Bay, right? We're like, oh, it's lit. Yeah. We know. And then over the last two weeks, they've 
focused more on the run and they haven't been as high flying. And so there's like, well, those must be, those must be flukes, right? They're just playing time of possession because like the chargers are really good offense or I, I, I don't know. It's, it's not real, but like now, and yes, game script obviously had something to do with that here, but now you're seeing it be real. Now we're seeing the defense, as you yeah. mentioned, not be such a liability. And so there is kind of um, a compromise because between Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy, where it's a, it's like, it's like one of those swirl soft serve cones, right? There's all there's a little bit of vanilla swirled into it. You can get any flavor you want, but there's a little bit of Mike McCarthy's vanilla swirled into it. That might be kind of gross. I mean, I, I, I think it's just Kellen Moore. I think Kellen Moore is just kind of doing like doing the thing right, which is, you know, you're not just going out there and being static every single week. Let me tell you what. Uh, we're talking about future Cowboys head coach Kellen Moore. He's about to get oh, that sure. Jason Garrett. I'm not Garrett denying Freeman. that. Yeah. But I don't yeah. know how He's much of that. He's definitely about to get that Jason Garrett. I, I don't know how much of that is um, Mike McCarthy not – I mean, th- when the man, like, says the word mojo this many times in 2021, <sighs> I, I can't Im- – <laughs> what, what is it you say you, you, you do here, Mike McCarthy? You've got, like, Kellen Moore running the offense. you got Dan Quinn running the defense. And you can't even figure out your freaking timeouts. <laughs> he's definitely going to be what – he's going to be moved into a um, – you know, he's going to do the – I got demoted, but didn't want to say it thing where he's like, I've moved into a special advisor role uh, yeah, here yeah, yeah. with the, uh, with, with, with the Dallas Cowboys. Consultant have a head to coach. the quarterback yeah, or something I, like those. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm the, I'm the front office consultant, which just means I'm being paid a boatload of money to do nothing. <laughs> lucky. Uh, also that lucky. Must be nice. The Jets got very lucky to get the Titans in this particular week. Nailed it. Oh, um, what a segue. <laughs> First victory for Zach Wilson, 27 to 24. Even though King Henry had himself a DAY, Tannehill could not get things going with Josh Reynolds and Nick Westbrook Akini, Akini, whatever his name is. <laughs> That's a great look. No one can see your face, Matt, but that was a good one. Um, <laughs> they really missed AJ Brown and Julio Jones in this one. Yeah. Um jeez, the Titans defense is so bad. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't know this what did I say? This is like this is one of those give like something's gotta give here. You know, the worst passing offense in the entire NFL and the worst passing defense in the entire NFL meet. Which which side gives? The Jets had a good game from a passing stand. Well, almost. Corey Davis had a had a big play here. Uh, he gets seven targets, four catches for 111 yards. Still, did, he's like done a few like fall over things that end up getting Zach Wilson intercepted. He did that earlier this game too. Um, but the volume's still there. He's still clearly the number one guy. Um, you wrote about this coming into the week. Michael Carter looking like he's starting to take a, a step there as the lead back. He scores a touchdown in this spot. I mean, 13 carries, but nobody else had more than four, and that was Tevin Coleman. And Tevin Coleman really didn't get going until overtime right um michael carter was clearly the lead snap guy here so i think this was something we had like we had to see this with the jets we had to see them do something here from an offensive standpoint this was a positive result i think yeah i all of that checks out um i had been watching the backfield because you're not gonna expect after what we saw the first three weeks a lot of game script to go carter's way but again i just when you look at the matchup and you look at also, you know, Scott Pianowski, and I say this a lot because I think it's important to remember, sometimes when we see, quote, favorable matchups, we assume that 
the one of the offenses is just gonna it's just gonna crush right they're just gonna smash but like you also need the other team to fight back in order to do that and so then (laughs) you can't just like salt a lead and sit on the running back if there's gonna be this like back and forth in this fight so you kind of have to figure out where you're gonna get your points from and you know nobody like really wants to predict game script but like that's kind of the job so so this is um this is this is yeah. the opportunity and and the Titans like they tried but they just didn't have the manpower at their disposal the talent at their avail to fight back in a way that could quiet yeah. the Jets. And this was the problem with yeah. the Titans all along which was they they were not a deep team. I mean they made the Julio Jones trade because they needed Julio Jones. Like it wasn't a, 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 Oh, oh, let's make a luxury trade as a contender in the AFC. That was a trade they needed. And they really, like you said, they need AJ Brown and they need Julio Jones back there. Hopefully those guys are not rushed back. Cause Brown has been like dealing with little injuries at every single turn. It seems like so we'll see. Uh, lingers too, though. Soft, that soft tissue stuff, like doesn't just yeah. go away all of a right. sudden. Um, let's talk about the 49ers and the Seahawks game because, you know, 49ers fans, fantasy managers, very excited that the Trey Lance era looks like it's probably begun in earnest. Jimmy Garoppolo exited this one with a lower leg, I think a calf issue. Calf, and yeah. again, the 49ers just so, to borrow a phrase from you, snake bitten by injuries here. Um, Jimmy had his moments. They weren't always great. Obviously, no, when you not. see... No, but when you see Lance thrown in, it is the difference between the two in playing style is so stark. Like Lance's ability to extend plays and just evade a rush. It's really exciting. It offers this this entire offense so much lift. And even though the 49ers didn't win this one, I mean, again, this was like one of those ugly games. Like I, I didn't, I thought that this game should not have been as ugly as it was. And I think if, both sides that had healthy players, it would have been like much more electric. But the silver lining is that we got to see a hint of that spark, the spark of the electricity with Lance. Yeah. And I think we're going to continue to see it. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo said after the game uh, per Adam Schefter that he uh, obviously didn't play the second half, told reporters that he's going to undergo an MRI on his calf. And he quote, hopes it's just a couple of weeks or something. That's probably not great. So at this point, I think the Trey Lance era is here. Unless unless he goes out there and he plays like Justin Fields against the Browns for like three straight weeks. Even then, I don't know. I mean, I think that this is probably going to be Trey Lance's job. Another note, too, from the post game, Kyle Shanahan even said, and I, this is kind of how I feel about this this game. Like, I wouldn't go there and look like, oh, man, this Trey Lance, blah, 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 blah. Like, Kyle said after the game, I don't know why I called Kyle. I don't know the guy. Shanahan said after the game that like <laughs> he's like this was not a game plan for Trey Lance. Like it's going to look completely different usually. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't go and like be like this happened with this. And so um, I feel like we'll see a very different offense that that is actually designed for Trey Lance next week, and uh, that will be exciting. I'm I'm interested to see what that looks like. Man, uh, Debo Samuel got loose on a broken, uh, a busted coverage yeah, by gorgeous. the by the Seahawks. That Seahawks defense is not good. Um, I thought we'd see that more with Jimmy under center. We just Jimmy just ain't there, man. It's out of so we'll we'll see what happens with Trey Lance. I'm 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 excited that that this is finally here. I think Jimmy gets traded. I've been saying that. I think that's why he also said it's going to be a couple of weeks and he's playing mm. down the injury. I, the, where where to? Though, I believe you know? the Houston. Yeah, that makes sense. Gross. Um, but. I just yeah. 
but I believe their buy is like the week before Halloween, which is the trade de- trade deadline. So I, it wouldn't surprise me to see him move midseason, in which case Kyle has played this right and given him a couple of showcase opportunities. He, I, I mean, he's led an offense. Showcase it for what it's worth. Uh, without Elijah Mitchell in the lineup, Trey Sermon continued to lead the backfield, carried the ball 19 times for 89 yards. Kyle Juszczyk continued to be a surprise weapon. Uh, he caught 4-4 for 41. And Brandon Ayuk, however, uh, after... What, two red zone, two or three red zone yeah. looks last week? He was only $15 in DFS. I put him in every single lineup yeah, I, I had, really believing it was going to turn over this week. Uh, caught just one of three for 15. We'll see. Maybe things will look different next week with like Lance actually involved in the game plan. I, I don't know. It sucks. It sucks to be me. <laughs> Tyler Lockett was dealing with a hip injury. Uh, DK Metcalf managed four catches for 65 yards and a touchdown despite a foot issue. I'm not going to talk about it. Oh, I do know what I want to talk about because I do the sleepers. We, I do the sleepers article every week and I, I never do what I'm about to do, which is why I'm going to allow myself to do it. Sometimes when you're writing the sleepers piece and Matt, I'm sure when you're doing like fantasy freebies on FFL, like you're trying to find someone under the radar, right? You're not trying to be like, well, Zach Moss, who just scored two touchdowns is a quote sleeper, right? You want to say something interesting, but also you don't want to just look crazy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I really feel like Freddie Swaim is going to have an opportunity here because you've got Everett on COVID. You got Lockett banged up. You got the rookie out with a concussion still from week one. The back, the, the back half of the defense in San Francisco is all sorts of banged up. Josh Norman's got this lung problem. I feel like Freddie Swaim is going to score. And then I was like, no, nah, I just can't. Too crazy. Like, I can't write that. I can't write it. It's too much. It's too much. And also people are going to, is it usable? Is it actionable? Is anyone going to be like, yep, I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to throw it. No, no one's going to do it. And then when he scored, I was just, I I just, I feel like sometimes, sometimes the process works. Sometimes it doesn't, but this is one. And I will say it's only useful. And I bring it up not for a victory lap, but because if there continues to be injuries, we do know that Swaim has a place in this offense and we know a little bit what it looks like definitely yeah it's it's something to monitor if, if Lockett's hurt or dk ever gets hurt or something like that and especially because ever it was out in as well yeah on the covid list uh arizona bests the rams at sofi um they really shut down cooper cup i mean this arizona this was minty's out. call of the day by the way yeah like, the money line to- I mean, shout out to shout out to Minty here. Like, I mean, she's getting a lot of shout outs on the podcast. Like, she said it again on the on the Yahoo Sportsbook Live show, uh, two thirty p.m. Eastern, eleven thirty a.m. Eastern uh, on Yahoo. Anyways, uh, yeah, like it's it was unbelievable. Like she said it again on the half. She's like, yeah, the Rams are gonna lose to the, to the Cardinals. Basically, not in so many words. Um, I did not in gambling words, in betting words. She said in betting words. Yeah. In betting words, not in the words that I said, uh, which sounded like (laughs) just another clown talking about it. So yeah, it was, it was impressive. Four no Arizona's four. No, um, they look like one of the best teams in football. Kyler Murray looks like the MVP best in the West. Yeah. Uh, no, no disputes here. I know. I definitely thought Arizona was going to cover, but I didn't have the stones to say money line with her. I couldn't do it. Um, Kyler Murray continues to be an absolute beast, finding the evolution of his game through the passing game, like in his arm. He is so much better. He didn't run in a touchdown this week, so his stat sheet was not quite as padded, but we're not going to complain. And if you do, turn off this podcast and listen somewhere else because I'm not going to hear it. 
Um, Chase Edmonds rips off a long run, um, but he's not allowed to score touchdowns because not, those all belong allowed. to James Tonner. <laughs> nope, not allowed. Literally, legally not allowed to score touchdowns is Chase Edmonds. He's only allowed to get like five targets a game and and average like over five yards per carry, but he is not allowed to score. James Conner is going to have like 500 yards for and tw- 12 touchdowns or something this year on the ground. It, it is insane. We also saw Max Williams, Max with two X, two X's find the end zone. This is not the first time it has happened so far this season. If we are saying that we want to believe a little bit in Dawson Knox, then can that argument extend out to Max Williams or are there just too many bodies? Well, this is the problem with trusting Christian Kirk or or Rondale Moore every single week. I know AJ Green scored in this game as well on a deep pass, but trusting him every week is that these, and even I think, I think we could have a conversation. I know that this was a, a bad matchup for DeAndre Hopkins. I know that he's obviously injured, but like last year, the guy was getting like 30% of the targets on this team. That's not happening this year. Like it's just not in the range of outcomes, which is good for, and I think kind of thing, it's good for the team. You could kind of say the same thing with Stefan Diggs in, in Buffalo. Like I yeah. think he's going to be around a 25% guy, but he's not going to be a 30% guy like he was last year because Sanders has broken out. Uh, Dawson Knox is a thing. Cole Beasley's still there. Same thing with this offense. Like you weenies out there can think whatever you want about agent green's not good anymore they shouldn't play just play the younger guys like but he's been playing well for this team and he's like the clear number two receiver in terms of routes run and everything and like kirk and rondell moore are going to be in their roles like all these guys are going to be kind of volatile it, it's it's you kind of want to break ties in favor of starting them because they're tethered to um to kyler murray but it, there's you have to ex- accept some boom bust nature of this i agree on the ram side of things um Good news for those of us who were still believing in Bobby Trees is that he finally found the end zone. And this is like four of six for 48 and a touchdown. Kind of like, I mean, there's a difference in a drop-off in talent, both at the coaching level and at the quarterback level. But similarly to Allen Robinson, like you're going to hope for four to, well, but the players are, the receivers themselves are similar in terms of being technicians and reliable and just not seeing the volume four for 48 and a touchdown. Like you're going to hope that you get a touchdown out of Robert Woods. He had like, he caught the touchdown. He also had another red zone look uh, later, later in the game that didn't happen. I, I mean, I, th- I feel like you have to treat him like a wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two at this point. Your use of, he finally scored a touchdown is both true from a season long and this week perspective. Cause it literally took to like the very end of the game for him to get that touchdown. And we were, we were going to be having another conversation about, Ooh, this is not great. Yeah. I think Robert Woods is, is exactly what you said. You got to lower him down from where you thought he was going to be to start the season. Cooper cup, five catches for 64 yards. They're going to be games like that. I, I still think he is a top 10 receiver the rest of the season. And Van Jefferson continues to be a thing. Van Jefferson is not running as many routes as Robert Woods or Cooper Cup, which is 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 a reversal from the first week of the season. But Van Jefferson makes plays. Guy is clearly the third receiver there. Um, also, it was crazy to see that Daryl Henderson. I was not expecting this, right? Because you know, we talk about these guys that they want to take it easy on or whatever. Um, you would think that Daryl Henderson was like the candidate number one to take it easy on after they literally trade for Sony Michelle because they're worried Daryl Henderson can't hold up. 
Daryl Henderson gets hurt and then he just returns to like playing all the snaps and running 35 routes and getting passing game targets and um, having a pretty decent game overall. Well, good. So I want, I'm glad you brought the backfield up because I asked Dalton on the Friday pod, the preview pod, are we a little bit worried that Henderson just won't go back to having the total workload that he had that maybe they'd want to save him? Ribs are, you know, ribs are injuries. Sony Michelle has kind of a, a brand name about him. Dalton was like, nah, McVay just leans on one guy. Whether that's true or not, Michelle's early fumble sealed the deal for Henderson. Yeah, so we ain't point. worried about it now. Yeah, I mean, and it was it was stark. 57 snaps to seven yeah. uh, in favor of Daryl Henderson to Sony Michelle. Like I said, 35 routes to three for Sony Michelle. I kind of with Dalton that I never thought this was going to be like a split back, like a split backfield, but it would be like a a Michelle month, a Henderson month, like something like that. Like it would, they would, but I don't, maybe not. Maybe it just will be Daryl Henderson the rest of the way. Well, I think it is. I think it is now. I mean, until yeah. he hurts himself again. So yeah. there you go. Um, the Packers, ooh, this was, oh, you want to talk about ugly oh, games, God. messy games. The Packers took it to the Steelers. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, here's a note. If Aaron Rodgers said he wants to get his old teammate more involved, I don't care if he mentions Jordy Nelson's name next week, then Jordy Nelson is coming out of retirement. He's going to catch two touchdowns just like Randall Cobb did. Of course, there's no MBS, so it made the slot a more viable position for Cobb to own in a voluminous way and indeed he did so that happened Ben Roethlisberger is washed I know you've got big feelings about how he's like Big Ben is an albatross uh, around the necks of the rest of Pittsburgh's young receiving core no Chase Claypool this week have at it because this to me was just like a super a super ugly no one saw it coming and we all saw it no one saw maybe Randall Cobb coming but we all saw the rest of it coming yeah, this was completely like predictable um, how this game was was gonna go. Uh, yeah, obviously, outside of the Randall Cobb thing, I don't know what to, I don't know what to say about Ben Roethlisberger. Like, we could get we're gonna until he decides to retire, which probably should be tomorrow. Um, he's gonna we're gonna come and do this every week with Ben Roethlisberger, where he's clearly holding the offense back, and like the receivers are pissed, like they're pretty pissed off now. I don't know. I mean, Juju's out there pissed off on the sideline. I'm like, you had an out, man. <laughs> You could have left. You could have gone to Baltimore, right? <laughs> or Kansas like, City. They get right. an offer from the Chiefs. I mean, talk about like I am. I am instantly filled with regret or whatever that uh, Joel Bluth meme is that from from uh, the freaking whatever that show. Yes, is. a meme of, drop, Harmon. Welcome to it. week four. <laughs> welcome to the season. Took a minute. I can't even remember um, what the show's called. Uh, Arrested Development. That that overrated comedy. Um, overall. It's good, but it's not as good as people think it is. Uh, but, you know, definitely not overrated is Ben Roethlisberger because no, everybody knows he's he's washed at this point. Um, it's God, I mean, it's I, I just I know I, I know I said I wasn't going to sit here and talk about it, but now I'm going to talk about it. I just can't watch the guy throw short of the line of scrimmage on fourth down, like throwing short of the sticks on fourth down is a sin enough. But God, he's like throwing a Najee Harris behind the line of scrimmage on fourth down. It's like. You're just asking, okay, again, Najee. Again this week. Again, again. I mean, it's like, okay, Najee, yeah. do everything. Like, break every tackle and, and make this work. It's not going to work. Oh, it's so bad. Because they have good players. It's so bad. I'm sorry. It's, it's, <laughs> so, yeah. No, I it's fair. It. I mean, and you you hear the broadcasting crew also, like, making excuses. Like, not, uh, like yeah. in the same game that he breaks 
an NFL record 400th career touchdown pass for himself. Like you hear the broadcasting crew saying like, well, you know, this offensive line is just, it's just a liability. And like, he looks, uh, he he looks old, you know, and you're right. The players are pissed, but Najee Harris is going to continue to see a ton of volume not double-digit targets in this one, but still seven I'm not going to complain about. So yeah. he has six catches. He carries the ball 16 times, finds the end zone, plus 62 on the ground. We know what we have here. And so in some yeah. ways for fantasy, like, now we know what we have, and we can move from a point of confirmation. And without Claypool in the mix, like, Deontay Johnson did catch nine yeah. balls for 92 yards and find the end zone. Like, we don't mind that. I guess yeah. we just can't think about what could have been, and we just have to think about what is. Good life advice. Indeed. Baltimore traveled to Denver, and Teddy Bridgewater unfortunately left Ugh. this one with an injury. So uh, Drew Locke got a look, and I got to say, like, oh, as as the Broncos were down and Drew Locke was like, pushing the ball deep and he was finally Cortland Sutton had an appearance because Locke was like we're gonna YOLO this up like I'm not and then I'm feeling optimistic and it's fun and I'm like yeah I forgot what this felt like this is exciting and and, and, you know Teddy had been pushing the ball deep so I'm not taking anything away from him but like that is just Drew Locke at a baseline right like he's just like oh I see someone way over there I'm gonna do it and then of course inevitably he turns the ball over in, in the end zone, and then you're reminded of this whole experience. Yeah, he was out there like uh, yelling at Cortland Sutton after they didn't connect on a deep pass. Like, hey, Drew, maybe calm down a little bit. Yeah, like, Why you gotta mention oh that God. part of it? Why you gotta mention that part of it? Let him have his moment. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I know. Drew Locke is your guy. That feels like 100 years ago, doesn't it, uh, at this point? Him being my guy? Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean... No, not really. It doesn't. I'm still rooting for him. It feels feels like 100 years ago. Um, But anyways, yeah, like, I don't know what to say. It's unfortunate for Teddy. Hopefully he can come back. You know, it's a concussion. Hopefully he comes back soon. We'll see because, yeah, it's just just not the same offense. But this is also like, hey, this, you know, they had made a, a living early on, you know, beating up on the Giants and the Jets. This was a bit of a stiffer test there. Uh, for the Denver Broncos overall, and they didn't really pass it. On the Ravens' side, um, God, I guess they just want Latavius Murray to be their guy. Okay. Oh, 18. this was super frustrating. Tyson yeah. Williams, a healthy scratch. Just to get Le'Veon Bell some, like, reps? I guess. Okay. that ho- hope that was fun. I do like that they pushed, like, one like extra little bit just to get that, like, 100 yards rushing streak or whatever at the very end or something. Um Lamar still looks great as a passer. Um, Mm -hmm. I really love the way they're throwing the football right now. Um, Obviously, he has just 28 yards on the ground. uh, But, you know, throws for 300 yards. Hollywood Brown comes comes down with a huge, a couple huge vertical plays. I hope all the whack jobs who want to take to Twitter and and tweet about every Hollywood Brown mistake and, you know, use their very unoriginal jokes of that he's not Hollywood Brown. Even though he doesn't, it's not... L.A. Hollywood, it's like Florida Hollywood. I guess you want to call him Gainesville Brown or Tampa Bay Brown. Anyways, I hope you enjoy it. It's like live with the drops. The guy makes plays. Uh, Rashad Bateman will be back. They need Rashad Bateman at some point because, uh, you know, that'll be enough of the whole Sammy Watkins as a starting receiver thing. But, you know, Marquise Brown's going to still make plays. And he's had three great games in one um, dud of a game so far this season. Marquise from West Palm Beach. 
That's what we should call him. Naples Brown. <laughs> oh, that one felt weird. Um, all right, so let's do <laughs> Naples is a nice <laughs> town too. I shouldn't. My mom lives in Naples now, so it should be a little nicer. Destin Brown. Brown is Destin. For, no, no. I at West Palm Beach. Uh, anyway, let's move to the Raiders at the Chargers. You and TJ do a DFS show, so give me a little DFS preview for Monday Night Football. Well, like I mentioned on FFL, seemingly a hundred times. You know, like like I said, sometimes you got a good research nug during the week and you just gnaw on that thing like a dog like, with a bone. You know, you just keep on going at it. Uh, the fact that the Chargers, I think, are going to be a really interesting matchup to, for the Raiders because the Raiders receivers are all really cheap in Daily Fantasy. You know, 14 to $12. You've got Renfro, Ruggs, and Edwards in that order. Edwards and Ruggs are vertical guys. You know, they have high A dots. Um, but Renfro's a really sneaky player to me in this one from a prop betting perspective too. His uh, over-under in terms of catches on bet MGM is just 5.5. Yeah, I, I think he's going over that total because this is a team, the way the LA Chargers play defense, the way that Brandon Staley designs defenses, they're going to take away the vertical pass. They've been great at taking the vertical pass away all year. 26.2 uh, passer rating on throws of 15-plus air yards so far this year. You could tell. Still have these numbers memorized. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, like, I think that suits – like a big Darren Waller game, a big um, Hunter Renfro game. It makes sense there. And we know that the Chargers can be run on. So that's really the key here. Getting some clarity out of this backfield, which we don't have just yet. You know, John Gruden says that Josh Jacobs is very questionable, but there seems to be some optimism that he's going to play. So whichever, whether it's Jacobs, because it ain't Kenyon Drake, right? Like Kenyon Drake, no. they gave him all that money just to be, Cordero Patterson, basically their version of Cordero <laughs> Patterson that doesn't score touchdowns. So it'll be either Jacobs or Barber. I'm really interested in whichever one starts because I think the matchup is right there. The Raiders have run the ball. Well, they ran the ball really well last week against the Dolphins. Barber touched the ball 26 times. That was unbelievable. So, um, and you know what the Chargers are. The Chargers are the Chargers. Like it's Herbert. It's Keenan Allen. It's Mike Williams. It's Austin Eckler. I think if I'm going to default to one of them, I will default to if I can still – because the Raiders receivers are cheap, I think that helps you kind of unlock a few of these chargers. If I'm going to default to one of them, I think I'll default to Eckler because they've still given up some big passing game plays um, to the running back. And overall on the ground, I think they're a little weaker than they are through the air, the Raiders' pass defense. I think that's also the um... – the I, I think everyone's going to be after Williams chasing the touchdowns from the week before and then Keenan Allen would be the second option because people are like well it's not going to be Williams it's going to be Keenan so yeah. being on Austin might make the most sense and I agree with everything you said I think I said it on FFL too like I expect the Chargers to focus their energies on of course shutting down Darren Waller that's going to be easier said than done, but also focusing on rugs because as you saw against the Chiefs, they want to take away the explosive plays, the down the field plays. And so uh, seeing Renfro get loose a bunch and we know the car trusts him and we know that like that is, you know, a, a little bit of like in stasis harmony for Carr and rugs, like seeing him move the chains, especially in a, in, you know, I think the Yahoo DFS is half point PPR. So I think that that might work really well for anyone playing that game. So congratulations. That is it for week four. We did not talk about Tom Brady, who I'm pretty sure probably uh, just broke some records. Anyway, we've covered the game. It's time for us to go. You can keep the conversation going with us on Twitter, though. We love social media. You can follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF and Matt at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're at it, Make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy for the latest news and analysis from our whole team. That is going to do it for this episode. 
Scott and Andy will be back tomorrow with recommendations of who to pick up and who to drop. Until then, we're out.